Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Power Half Hour. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko, and my co-host on the West Coast is none other than Chad Smart. Hello, Chad. Hello, Greg. Yes, I think, you know, the last couple of episodes have ran long, so maybe we should rename the show The Power Less Than an Hour. But... It is. We try to stick to 30 minutes because we know your time is valuable. And there's lots of other podcasts out there. I don't know why you're listening to them because they all are pretty much the same thing. And are they? I don't know. I've stopped listening to podcasts since I started working from home. I once listened to a podcast about CRISPR. I was forced into it. I did not want to. Are you familiar with CRISPR? Chad, that's the drawer at the bottom of the refrigerator, right? Not quite. Uh, CRISPR, all capital letters with no E, is a technology that can be used to edit genes and as such will likely change the world. That's from newscientist.com. Are we going back with low rise genes, bell bottom genes, button fly (sighs) genes? What type of genes are we? Anyway, um, and the same individual who made me listen to a CRISPR podcast also suggested that we listen to a, uh, a podcast on prehistoric mold. And that's when I said, you're no longer driving. Therefore you're no longer in charge of what we listen to. And that's how I put 30,000 miles on my van in less than a year. Hmm. Interesting. And I, I have no comment for the prehistoric mold. I'm, I'm sl- slacking tonight. I, I got nothing. So, well, want to give a, a shout out to uh, a dedicated listener, a new and dedicated listener who really enjoyed our Weird Al podcast and had really nice things to say about it. Uh, if you head over to the Facebook page, uh, you'll see uh, that she was actually the one that I uh, hooked up with the the custom uh, picture and, and that she get, went and got signed by weird Al and she had texted me. I, I sent her the link. I said, I think you might enjoy this uh, podcast. Cause she's a huge weird Al fan. And she said, uh, um, you know how they say never meet your heroes because it's going to be a disappointing experience. Completely the opposite with weird Al. She said he couldn't have been nicer, sweeter, you know, more generous with his time uh, and got a picture of her shirt that she was wearing. That's, yeah, it was probably custom made or something. And I believe it says something along the lines of keep calm and, and listen to weird out music or something like that. Something along those lines. Um, so kind of made an impression on him and it strengthened her love uh, of him. So um, she uh, enjoyed the podcast, shared it with her son who was also there to meet weird Al. So, uh, Hey, we got two new listeners. So hopefully Chad, they are as big a fans of Nicolas Cage as we are, because that's yeah. who we're talking about this week. Yeah, this, uh, well, first, I just want to say, yeah, when I saw, I got a notification that we had a comment on the link that you'd shared. <laughs> I was like, what? Someone's actually commenting? And it's not, you know, uh, Mike. The, yeah, it's not the co-host of the year or or the, uh, well, he doesn't, he, I guess the host with the, I don't know. I don't have an insult for Kevin. Like I said, I'm really off my game tonight, but but, um, yeah, it was somebody that I was like, I don't know this person. And so that was, 
that was good to uh, good to see. But yes, uh, you know, with this episode, maybe our new format is just talking about celebrities in, but not in the TMZ way. In not the, in a gossip way, but but yeah. in an appreciative way. Yes. Yeah, we're not here to run anybody down. There are plenty of podcasts out there for that. Uh, right. We're here to uh, share, celebrate, ce- ex- exactly celebrate, uh, and with the the fact that he's got a movie due out, I believe next week. Um, double checking that right now. Yes, April twenty, or I guess this week. We're recording early, so I apologize. But this week uh, he has a movie. Uh, do out the unbearable weight of massive talent. We're talking about none other than Nicolas Cage. I'm very excited for this topic, Chad. I'm glad you, I'm <laughs> glad you mentioned this one of all the celebrities. I'm glad you mentioned Nick Cage. Well, I figured based on conversations we had when we started this podcast that you would not be wanting to do Meryl Streep. So you know, and I was just like, I was on Twitter earlier and I saw that the night before we recorded this podcast, the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica had an advanced screening of the new Nick Cage movie. And they invited people to come dressed as Nick Cage. So apparently there were about 50 people dressed as their favorite Nick Cage person. Uh, if you go to Twitter and search Beyond Fest, which is a, uh, a group out here, in California, you will probably see pictures of it. And uh, yeah, I just figure Nick Cage is such an interesting person. You know, I mean, how many other people do you know that have named their son Cal L because of their love of Superman? None. Yeah. I mean, you didn't even give your kids superhero names. I didn't. Um, I, no, I, I just didn't. There's no... <laughs> I don't have anything else beyond that. Like, nope, you're right. I didn't do that thing. Stan Lee would be so disappointed. Would he though? Did Probably he not. Made, I mean, he, he, Stan Lee had actual children, right? Um, I'm not sure. Well, regard. I mean, he had the literary children, uh, of which uh, you know, I, I was almost going to make the comment of Stan Lee didn't name his children, you know, superhero names, but he. You know, whether it was with Steve Dicko or Jack Kirby, he conceived many a superhero name. So um, it's fine. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I just think that Nick Cage is a, you know, he's an interesting method actor at times. And other times he's a, hey, I have a large amount of debt to pay off. So what's the script you just handed me? We're shooting it in two hours. I'm in type guy so so That's i will start fine. off yeah hey I, I mean if you're, you know you're getting paid make the money as long as you're doing what you want to do or you know i don't know uh, i was just gonna say what what is your let's go back what is your first memory of nick cage first memory of nick cage is uh, going to be a movie that i probably saw trailers for as it was heading to theaters but because I didn't have a driver's license at the time, uh, I wasn't going anywhere. Um, and so I remember renting it when it came out on video cassette. Kids, ask your parents uh, if, if you're not sure what exactly I'm talking about. 
Uh, and this would be the one that actually has gone on to uh, spark much debate in the last oh, 26 years or so, because a large contingent of the Internet thinks that this movie was an unofficial continuation of the James Bond uh, stories. Now, I didn't pick up on that till years later, but you got to go back to 96, 97, something like that. When I watched and really enjoyed The Rock with Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, Ed Harris, and Ed, not The Rock. Not Rock is not in The Rock. I was when I went to Google to you know find more information on The Rock. Oddly enough, it took the the top list on Google was The Rock's Instagram, and I was surprised because on all of his. IMDb credits now he's Dwayne Johnson. So, but I guess he kept the rock for Instagram and probably Twitter. Yeah, it's short and short and sweet. Mm. So just no, saying. I'm not sure I believe it. All right. Well, you know, I guess this is going to show our age difference, which is what the purpose of this podcast was when we first started. But can I guess? Yes. I have a guess okay. as to where your original, uh, knowing you and mm-hmm. your uh, slightly off the beaten path um, demeanor, I would my, I might say that your introduction might have been raising Arizona. Well, you would be partially correct. Yeah, I remember raising. I remember driving by a theater and seeing it, the marquee for Raising Arizona, and being like, "What? I've never heard of this film." And then when it came out on video. Um, seeing it, but that was in 1987. He also did the movie Moonstruck with Cher, which he won an Oscar for. And I remember seeing previews, but looking at his filmography, the first movie of his that I probably actually like became aware of Nick Cage was Honeymoon in Vegas Mm. um, in 1992. And that's, you know, and then he kind of still... I mean, it was still three years away from being from the leaving Las Vegas, where I believe he won an Oscar for that performance. And, and, and the 96 is the rock, like he said, but, but now looking back at his early stuff, you know, I'd seen Peggy Sue got married, which he has a, um, he's, I believe Kathleen Turner's husband, boyfriend slash when she goes back in time and, you know, and, and Valley girl probably would have, um, seen that on cable and not really realized Nick Cage. And then of course his second film, his first actual feature film, he plays one of Spicoli's buds in fast times at Richmond high. That's right. And, and you know, I, this is going to sound horrible. I'm probably going to catch hell for this, but I have seen fast times, but I saw it once and kind of moved on. If that makes any sense. Like I didn't, I didn't linger for fast mm-hmm. times and I, I've not had, I, I know how important it was to people of a certain generation. And I just feel like I, uh, this is going to fast times in Ridgemont high came out the year I was born. Okay. So I, while I have an appreciation for it, I'm not as drawn to it as, you know, like teen movies of the nineties, you know, and, and I'm not, I know in the past we've done 
eighties are better. Nineties are better. Chad, you're old and senile. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to do, you know, have that particular um, debate, but I, it was when I watched fast times, I was already in my twenties. I didn't have that coming of age with fast time uh, at Ridgemont high that a lot of people did. So I'm not trying to take anything away from it. I'm not, you know, uh, uh, trying to lessen its shine. I'm just saying it, for me, it, it, it didn't work. I've saw it because of its place in, in cinema history uh, in the pantheon of teen comedies. I I've, I've seen it, but I didn't, I didn't need to dwell. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy fast times. I, I think, especially now in today's society where no one has an attention span, it can be kind of slow at times, but I, I enjoy it. And again, Nick, Nick Cage has such a small role that you know, obviously you're not going to call it a, a Nick Cage film. Right. But, uh, and similarly, if I may, uh, just a year after Fast Times, um, a lot of people might forget that Nicolas Cage, again, wasn't the lead, but he was in Rumblefish. Mm-hmm. And that might have been brought on by a little bit of nepotism. Yes. <laughs> uh, since it, uh, he is related, and I understand, of course, why he changed his name for professional reasons, but, but uh, uh, he is related, I believe, the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Sophia Coppola was also in that movie, but largely it's you know, it's Mickey Rourke, it's Matt Dillon, it's, you know, Chris Penn is in that movie, Lawrence Fishburne, Diane Lane, Dennis Hopper. Uh, there's a big cast of everybody, you know, a, a lot of people in that movie grew up to be somebody. Um, and and certainly Nicolas Cage was of that ilk. Was one of those people, yes. And he did grow up. So. And he became somebody. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when you look at his filmography, like I said, he did do the um, uh, Peggy Sue got married, which I'm going to look because I believe that was also a Francis Ford Coppola film or some connection to Coppola. Yes, Coppola was the director of that one. But I'll ask you because we you brought it up, raising Arizona. Have you seen it? Do you have thoughts on it? What What are your takes on raising Arizona? Uh, again, one that I saw once. Um, hmm. And oddly enough, I'm, I believe it was in college, like it, as far as like at, in a class. Like I remember I, we watched Raising Arizona in class. I'm just fairly certain that like more, more likely because of the content, it was probably not a high school class. So it would have been a college class. Um, but that's, and again, it's got that kind of offbeat, independent film you know, quirkiness to it. Um, and it, like, this is a guy who like, I, until just starting the uh, um, research for this week's show, which happened an hour before we started this show. <laughs> like, I didn't know that raising Arizona came out when I was five. Um, maybe again, because I saw it at such a uh, advanced point in my life. I thought it, you know, would have at least been in the eighties or in, in the nineties before his, big break but there was he did a lot of things and I, I think that's what people don't understand you know when because he's he's trying to be an active actor 
You know, um, he, he doesn't, for whatever reason, you know, he doesn't say no a whole lot. Uh, and, and I think now people are like, Oh, gotta be broke. Gotta blah, blah, blah. But he's been working consistently for 40 years, you know? And, and I think people just don't realize that, but going from, you know, 87 with raising Arizona to 96, when the rock came out and, and then he was, and I'm, I'm missing a few and guarding tests was a big one. Um, uh, leaving Las Vegas, like you mentioned, but there's a stretch in starting, I think with the rock where it's like, boom, 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 blockbuster, 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 you know, uh, maybe they all didn't fare exceptionally, but they were bigger scope movies. You know what I mean? I no, I, I know what you mean. And I was just going with raising Arizona because that is an early Cohen brothers film. And you know, they, they too have gone on to be big, big mm-hmm. names and, and done a lot of films. And, and for me, they are very hit or miss. And Raising Arizona is just a movie that I, I saw in my teenage years, you know, after it had come out and didn't really get it and tried watching it again a few years ago. We had a screening at work and I left halfway through it. I'm just like, this movie isn't for me. I, mm. you know, everyone else is sitting in the theater laughing and I'm just like, no, it's not working. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I so I think it was probably those that, that 90s era, like you mentioned The Rock, and then you had Con Air, and um, you know, obviously leaving Las Vegas, which is a little bit different. Um, I want, I want to talk about a stretch. Okay. Let's let's start with leaving Las Vegas because that was 95, The Rock was 96, Con Air was 97, so was Face Off. Then he has City of Angels in 98 and Snake Eyes, then he had Eight Millimeter and Bringing Out the Dead in 99. Gone in sixty seconds, and the Family Man in 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 two thousand. I mean, he's kicking out two movies a year. Uh, you know, and then you get to two thousand two, and I know all of these. And you know, you're far more knowledgeable as far as how long it takes to put a movie together. But uh, two thousand two had Wind Talkers, Sunny, and Adaptation. Uh, you know, two thousand three bought Match. The the guy doesn't get enough credit for just being consistent, like they're not all going to be hits certainly, but the SAG doesn't care. They're still sending checks or, you know, whomever, you know, the studios are still sending checks. Like and it, it, a lot of this came to light very recently with Bruce Willis and the uh, aphasia um, announcement. And I was listening to another podcast that, that I do listen to uh fat man beyond, which I know is, you know, uh, filmed right down the road from where you live at, uh, or, uh, you know, right there in Hollywood. And they were talking about Bruce Willis. Just he might have been doing a lot of you know direct to video or video on demand type of projects, but he's building up what could be or what would be a, a, as much of a nest egg for retirement as possible, knowing that you know he was going to have to stop working. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that both situations are equal, but everybody's got different motivations. Maybe. Nicholas Cage is just the type of guy like throw me a challenge, you know. I mean, we would find him, you know, see him pop up in the early two thousands in Marvel movies, you know, before the MCU, which we'll get to. But he's just consistent, the consistent worker, maybe not consistent quality. I can admit that. <laughs> right, and I just pulled up an article that came out today or came out a couple weeks ago based on um, promoting 
the new film. And it says, you know, he was uh, in, in 2014, he was about $20 million in debt. And so he just started taking any film that he could to pay off that debt. And, and you know, he said, you got a quote here that says, when I was doing four movies a year, back to back to back, I still had to find something in them to give it my all. They didn't work, all of them. Some of them were terrific, but some of them didn't work. But I never phoned it in. And I think that's the thing about Nick Cage. He's like, you know, I've seen not a lot of the direct-to-video films, but the ones that I have seen, yeah, he's given it. You know, he's Nick Cage in the film. He's not, whereas with Bruce Willis and, you know, given his condition, maybe that's the reason why he wasn't up to, you know, a lot of the recent Bruce Willis films are not up to the standard that you would expect. But Nick Cage is, like he's saying, he's given it his all in every film that he does. So There's one side question that you posed to me as far as the, you know, things that we're going to discuss. I, I'm making notes because I have an answer for uh, that question when we get there. Um, and it, it just kind of popped, came to me and, and I'm so excited that it did, but, but let's, you know, I, I mentioned the rock and, and we've gone back to the eighties. Uh, Conair is a, you know, it's a perfectly acceptable action flick for what it is, but it, it didn't quite make my, if we were doing a top five, it wouldn't quite make my top five. Um, that being said, Gone in 60 Seconds, which is an ensemble movie um, that is as ridiculous as it comes, uh, and also a remake of you know a movie from decades prior, is a lot of fun. And, and I will go back and, and watch it every few years um, because, I, again, I like Nicolas Cage. I like Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, mm-hmm. who plays the the brother. Um, uh, Angelina Jolie is in it. Uh, Scott Kahn, William Lee Scott. Uh, you got James Duvall, Will Patton, Timothy Oliphant, um, Chai McBride, Robert Duvall, uh, Chris Eccleston, who would uh, later on go and play one of the doctors, I believe the eighth doctor. I may be wrong on that. Vinnie Jones is in this movie. I mean, this is a, a ensemble cast and a half and it's all about stealing cars. I mean, there's a little bit of plot behind it, but it's just we got to steal some cars. We got to got to clear the bounty, as it were. Um, it's not my favorite uh, movie of of Nick Cage's, but I do enjoy it. Like I said, I'll go back and watch it. No, it's a very enjoyable film, and I believe I'm trying to think. I because I know The Rock and Con Air were Jerry Bruckheimer produced films. I can't remember if Gone in sixty seconds was as well. The Rock was. Let me double check. Produced I believe, or directed because produced, Michael Bay I mean, is Bruck, attached to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Bruckheimer is the producer. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, good, good looking yeah. out. And I believe that they are both Touchstone films, so I will be looking forward to watching them again on my hey. other podcast, Out of Touchstone. Cheap plug. Um, yeah, he's. You know, these and God in sixty seconds is just a fun uh, film. Like I said, it's a it's a check your brain at the door type film, but. Hey, there's nothing wrong with those type of films. And mm-hmm. because you brought up Scott Kahn, I do have to, uh, I'm legally obligated to state that if you don't know, he, Scott Kahn was a rapper in the 90s in a band called the Hooligans. That's W H O O L Higgins. And uh, they have videos on YouTube. I highly recommend you check them out, especially if you like Cypress Hill, because they were kind of in that Cypress Hill House of Pain click that was going on. So. 
nothing to do with Nick Cage, who I don't think was in a band. I don't think he was an actor that started in, uh, that was in a band, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm sure if he wanted to be, he could. What What's another one of, of his filmography that jumps out to you? Cause I've got, I've got, oddly enough, several. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of what was the last Nick Cage film that I actually saw and oh, looking okay. at his, uh, at his filmography, I, I have to say that, um, and I don't know if this technically counts. I mean, he's in it, but the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where he played Spider-Man Noir. Which is, it's a lot of fun, right? Um, Ooh, and yeah. then we we can certainly talk about the one that got away for him, which is uh, the Superman mm-hmm. um, Forever Project or, or whatever it was. Um, but uh, yeah, Spider-Man Into the spider and you know, not the biggest role, not the focus, but it, playing that that vintage type of character, right? You know, the, the uh, reminded me a lot in a in a cleaner, more kid friendly avenue of Rorschach uh, from The Watchmen. Um, now, for me, because I have the children's, uh, that would be the Crudes, a new age. Oh. I was okay. Uh, yeah, I saw the first Crudes. I've not seen the second one. Um, did it answer all the questions left over from the end of the Crudes? It did. Uh, and and let, let me tell you, they ended it perfectly. There's no way to uh, uh, drag those old bones back out and, and do a third one. Yeah, well, which means <laughs> we'll see. They will. Yeah, I don't know how much money the second one made, so we'll see if they do. I thought, you know, going off of uh, not playing Superman, I thought you were going to bring up Teen Titans Go to the Movies, another voice acting role where he actually did get to play Superman. And I don't know if you've seen Teen Titans Go to the Movies. I watched it in a weekend when I watched that, Aquaman, and one other superhero film. And Teen Titans Go to the Movies was the best of the three superhero films that I watched. And I had never watched the cartoon, but it is a lot of fun. I would recommend I knew, it. I knew you were going to say that. Not just because you're jaded and cynical, but uh, no, I've never seen it. Um, we we do have a Teen Titans fan in the house, uh, and that would be one of the twins. Uh, years ago, my oldest got a stuffed uh, Robin uh, character or figure, you know, it's about yay. This is works really well on an audio podcast, but it's a stuffed animal of, of Robin, but it's that Teen Titans go art to it. Um, so yeah, well, we might, we might have to watch that one sometime. Uh, as, as you held up the three fingers, meaning that we're running out of time, a couple of the other uh films that, that I'm a big fan of now, National Treasure. I, I, I know I like them both, but I like the, the first one more. I think that kind of stands to reason, unless it's uh. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. The first one's always better. Um, Snake you know, Eyes. It's funny because uh, just earlier this week, I was at the Scum and Villainy uh, Cantina, which is where I believe Kevin Smith records at least one of his podcasts. And, Fat Man Beyond with him and Mark Bernard. And they were playing Wheel of Bib Fortuna, which is basically nerd <laughs> uh, Wheel of Fortune. And one of the categories was quote, and it was, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. It's my bad Nick Cage impersonation. Um, and yeah, it, I, it took me a while to get it. I did not recognize the quote. Um, but once well, we did, we're like, oh, yes, Nick Cage. Yeah. So um, 
Snake Eyes, I believe I mentioned. Snake Eyes is fun. It's a little bit of a, a crime drama with with some twists and turns. Uh, I, we like Family Man in our house. It's a it's a different take on It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and then a couple of oddball ones. And you got to go back to the which is you know kind of redundant when you're talking about Nicolas Cage, but you have to go back to. Uh, for one, it is 2005, and the other 2003. We'll start in, in chronological. 2003's Matchstick Men. Uh, have you seen that? I did. Saw that in the theater. Okay, so you I don't know remember a whole lot about it, but yeah. In and, and uh, it, it kind of raised awareness for people with uh, uh, like you know uh, obsessive compulsive disorders, things like that. He he he's a, a Matchstick Man, man, which is a. Uh, um, a, a grifter or a um, con man, and uh, uh, he and spoiler for a movie that's almost twenty years old, he gets conned by somebody pretending to be his long lost daughter. Uh, and then you have two thousand five's The Weatherman. Mm. You familiar with that one? Uh, I know that it exists. But okay, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's got Michael Caine in it, who plays his father, um, and and there's a really touching scene between basically it's like think of the, the crap that weatherman have to take for getting paid all that much and being wrong half the time. Right. And then people are, are, you know, like throwing ice cream at him. So he starts carrying around a crossbow. Um, and, uh, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It, it's about family and, and, uh, you know, about love, things like that relationships. So, right. well, we're, we're out of time, but I'm going to give you two recommendations, one to watch, one to avoid from 1993 Red Rock West. Uh, it was by the guys that also brought us last seduction, which is one of my top 10 films of all time. And then thanks to the out of podcast or out of podcast, out of touchstone podcast. Uh, I had to watch 1990s firebirds, which is basically top gun with helicopters and it is not good at all. Stay away from it. And also stay away from Top Gun. But we were out of time, so I don't even get to tell you my Nick Cage Las Vegas story. Well, before we go, this is important because we teased it earlier. Uh, The movie that is due out this week, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where Nick Cage plays himself, uh, theoretically. An actor, Chad, that that you asked me, you know, who, who else could do a role like that? Do you have an answer to that question? I do not, but I'm going to say Keanu Reeves. I was going to say Ryan Reynolds, because if you think about a lot of Ryan Reynolds lately, he's basically just himself in Deadpool, in Free Guy, in in the Adam Project. Ryan Reynolds is basically just playing Ryan Reynolds and having the time of his life doing it. So, Chad, you've said it. We're out of time and you have to go record another podcast. I do. So we'll see you next time. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.